Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the Bible Thumper podcast, where somebody's got to say it. My name is Patrick Hayes, your regular host, and with me tonight is my good friend, Zach King, and we are going to talk about the parables of Jesus. Zach, how are you doing this evening? I'm doing all right, Patrick. I uh, <clears throat> got the glasses on tonight. I noticed that. What's I didn't even I, know you wore glasses. Well, do you feel like you look smarter with them? I wish. So you wore, so you wore I, them off? I don't know if I look any smarter or not, but if I do, somebody let me know. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll wear them all the time. But uh, I've, I've aged. I turned 40. Oh, so and, they just ship them out for yeah, your birthday just, as a matter of course. Here you go, buddy. Yeah. Here you go, old man. Read, here are your read, glasses. Reading glasses. It's the end of the day. <laughs> Sunday's a long day, and so here they are. Okay. How to go at church today? Church was good today. Um Blythe is out of town. She's doing some stuff for she has a name. What has she gotten back into the country yet? She has. Okay. That always makes our AV stuff a little bit interesting because she does. Because she, she has runs. a big hand in that. Right. So okay. So she's she's trained some people. So and, the B team stepped up. Yeah. I mean, okay. Oh, the only thing we did we were missing from the JV team is having me preach instead of Darren. Okay. But <laughs> but no, it was good. He's working his way through James mm-hmm. right now. Um. So that's been, uh, yeah, it's been excellent. It's hot. Are the evaporative coolers doing okay? Oh, hey, you know what? We've got two evaporative <laughs> coolers on there. Uh, Are they yeah, better than the they used to be? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's last week when it was... 103 it was, or 102. Raining. Yeah. It's only going to do yeah, so much. It's I impossible. Know. But yeah. no, this morning, I mean, it's it's warm, but it's, yeah. I don't know, 10 degrees better than it used to be. Okay. So, well, yeah, what are you, you going to do? That's good. That's, yeah, that's pretty nice. So, no, I like Sunday. It's a good day. I like going to church. Yeah? Yeah. I do, too. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I did before I was ever in the ministry in any way. You know, I, I think that is probably pretty common of anyone that gets into ministerial work. Like, who does this if you don't like going to church? Oh, man, could you imagine? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Now, after I became a pastor, I started hating church. Uh, That's the old joke, right? Like the, the guy gets up in the morning and he goes, man, I just can't stand it anymore. Yeah. I can't go back to that Sweetie, place. I can't go there yeah. anymore. I, I you know, uh-huh. I don't uh-huh. like those people. Yeah. And the wife goes, honey, you got to. You're you the got pastor. it. Yeah. You're the, you're the pastor. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Sure. Sure. I mean, that's just the way it goes. But no, I, uh, I like talking about Jesus, though, too. Mm-hmm. So that's uh, those two things are supposed to happen together ideally <laughs> yeah you'd hope that jesus comes up during church time but i guess that depends on where you go yeah just might so zach i gave you a list of topics to pick from <sighs> boy did you ever and you picked the softest easiest one on the list i'm guessing i was the first one that got the list you were you were the first one to make a selection oh, i had man. to i had to cross off four selections for other people I read the thing one time, uh-huh. and I went, "Well, parables for sure." <laughs> like there's, and then what? And then I, I took about another hour to think about it. Okay, that, what's the other softest way I can get out of this? Sure. <laughs> so, for those of you that don't know, we try to tackle subjects that are controversial. So, all the topics that I brainstorm with different people and make a list of are topics that would make most people uncomfortable to talk about. Therefore, most pastors will not talk about them. 
So that's what we want to cover is stuff that your pastor is not going to want to talk about on a Sunday morning, but you're curious about, and you're like, oh, I'd like to know about that. What does the Bible have to say about that? Sure, sure. Well, somebody's got to say it. Somebody's got to say it. That's why people come to Bible Thumper. So you pick the parables. So why don't you give us the intro of, uh, give everyone the intro. What are we going to be talking about tonight? Yeah. So, I I mean, there's, there's a ton of parables. You couldn't even, uh. It'd be hard to just list all of them mm-hmm. in an hour. Um, but a couple that I've been thinking about a lot recently, one is the parable of the sower, mm-hmm. and that shows up a few different places. We're mostly going to be in Matthew chapter 13. Uh, and then the parable of the lost sheep. And there's um, kind of two different angles here I think we're going to try to get at over the hour. The, the parable of the sower is um, it's a little bit individual. It's a little bit sort of for everybody. Um it's the first parable that he teaches. I didn't even know in, that. In several of the Gospels. Okay. Um, that, that, it's, um, that it's mentioned in. Uh, so Matthew, for those, Mark, and Luke. So for those that are at home, we're going to start out in Matthew 13 when Zach mentions the parable of the sowers. That's where, right. that's where I am. Yes. And uh, <clears throat> maybe it's because it was one of the first ones that, that they wrote, but it's also the one that has an explanation. A full explanation yeah. of the whole thing. Which is nice because most parables don't. No explanation. Yeah. At all. So you're left to figure <laughs> the stuff out. Whereas once you get to, let's see, I have it in verse 37. Can you tell which verse it is that explains <laughs> it? It's the one that's highlighted the yeah, most. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, where Jesus explains the whole thing. Okay. Right. And so so that helps us out a little bit. It sort of sets a framework for how we're supposed to understand the other, the other parables. Uh, the parable of lost sheep... Um, that one might be fun to take a little bit of time on from a few different angles, but I think for you and me, I'd like to think about it pastorally a little bit. Oh, absolutely. Because you have the shepherd you have the and shepherd. you have the flock of sheep. I mean, the thing preaches, and, you know, sure. and, and people are in and out. Yeah. And what do you do about it? Yeah. And what about when the sheep doesn't want to get found yeah. and rescued and what do you do? And so, yeah. So yeah, there's there's plenty to cover here. Okay, well let's jump in in Matthew 13. Do you uh, do you mind if I just read through it? Do it. To, okay, so I'll do Matthew 13. I'll start in verse one, and we'll just go through to verse eight or nine to finish it up, and then we'll start chit chatting. Yeah. Okay. The same day went Jesus out of the house and sat by the seaside, and great multitudes were gathered together unto him, so that he went into a ship and sat, and the whole multitude stood on the shore. And he spake many things unto them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went forth to sow, and when he sowed, some seeds fell by the wayside, and the fowls came and devoured them up. Some fell upon stony places, where they had not much earth, and forthwith they sprung up, because they had no deepness of earth. And when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprung up and choked them. But other fell into good ground, and brought forth fruit, some a hundredfold, some sixtyfold, some thirtyfold. Who hath ears to hear, let him hear. There you go. Mm-hmm. Okay, take it away, Zach. Yeah. So parables. Mm-hmm. Um, the the number one in the Strong's Concordance, the, the number one uh, definition for this, mm-hmm. for that word, 
is a placing of one thing to the side of another. Okay. It, it's a juxtaposition. Mm-hmm. So he's he's taking one thing that is similar mm-hmm. to the thing that he's actually talking about. Yeah. Setting that to the side of it so that you can see the two in comparison. Yeah. The problem is when he, we go on later and he talks about how he teaches us what the parable means. Mm-hmm. He says that one of the reasons he does that is so that he could mask the meaning of what he was actually saying yeah. from certain people. Which is uncomfortable to read. Why would Jesus, the greatest teacher ever, yeah, use as one of his main forms of teaching... A teaching a, tool that... He knows people won't understand. Yeah. That's odd. Mm-hmm. So you got to sit and think about that for a little bit. Um so, I mean, just a couple of things right out of the gate, sitting in the boat to talk. Mm-hmm. You're an AV guy. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's your world. Yeah. I, I mean, I know it amplifies the sound. It does. But I, other than that, I couldn't tell you anything about what's going on there. That's the only reason that I've ever heard. The other one was people, We when we read through the Gospels, when Jesus shows up, a lot of times he is kind of mobbed. So that was a way to give him some space where everyone could kind of gather and face him because there wasn't a natural amphitheater, you know, to sit and speak at. But yeah, so if you're on, if you're a little bit off the shore in a boat and you're speaking, uh, it'll, it'll carry and people will be able to hear you. So it was like having a little bit of a microphone. And it does say there, he's got great crowds gathered around him. Mm -hmm. So, so you stick him out in the boat, push him out a little ways, Mm -hmm. sound amplifies and you got a bunch of people there. Um, As far as the actual story itself, I I think there's a a lot of interesting things here. Um, Number one is the sower and the seed Mm -hmm. are both constant. In all four of the examples. In all four examples, the sower seems to be the same person. Yep. And the seed seems to be exactly the same thing. Makes sense. And again, I don't know if you want to, if we want to let the cat out of the bag here already, Mm -hmm. as far as the answer goes. But he tells us that the the seed is the word. Mm -hmm. It's the, it's the word of God. Uh, the word of the kingdom is what it says in verse 19. When anyone hears the words of the kingdom, what he doesn't explain is who the sower is. Mm-hmm. And so that's one we could, um, I mean, I think, I think fairly obviously out of the gate, it's God. But I do think that there is some room there to say that for those of us who believe that we are Good, commissioned could missioned that that we are good ground and that we like how does the seed well once a tree is grown yeah the way that the fruit from that tree produces another tree mm-hmm. is there's a seed inside of it yeah and so that tree then goes about planting seeds again and so so there's a, a constant pattern there but the the four types of soil mm-hmm. are the things that are different yeah. from each other and so you got the rocky ground uh, or you have the the path first, um, yeah. The, so the so agricultural communities or Romans were building roads all over the place. Mm-hmm. Right? So you you think about just a normal road. One of the things you can think about with the sower is that he doesn't seem to he doesn't plant these seeds the way that we would think of planting. Correct. So I've always if I if someone were to ask me, I would say the sower is the individual Christian, whoever you want. 
the idea is that it's our job. If you think about it, going to what Paul says later on, he says, I sowed, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So the idea is that wherever we go, we sow seed. And the one thing that I liked about it is that there are four different types of ground and a farmer would only sow seed in one of them. Absolutely. And the ground would be prepared and it would be, you know, it would be tilled and there would be a water source and so, and it would be fertilized. There would be a great deal of prep work into that ground. But in this case, the sower is like, there's ground beneath my feet. I'm going to sow seed. Yeah. Some of it isn't going to come up. Some of it will, but it's not my job to figure that out. And that's why I always looked at it as a very encouraging idea for the Christian that brings the gospel with them wherever they go. Wherever you are, you can lead someone to the Lord. And and if I gave you a list, Zach, of all the different places I've been where I've led someone to the Lord, yeah, sure. some of them would seem obvious and others were like, no kidding, you saw someone saved there. And it's like, yeah, I gave the gospel and someone listened and there you go. You know, the ground didn't look good from a passerby, but it was ready. I've got a weed mm-hmm. growing in the parking lot yeah. of the church Sure, out of a patch of oil mm-hmm. that had leaked out of a car that had been parked there for some time. Yep. And it's like this, I can't get grass to grow in the yard. Yeah. And here but, you have. But here in the parking lot in yep. this one tiny little crack, mm-hmm. here comes this weed. And so, yeah, you, part of it is that you don't, you don't really know. No. And so, yeah. So, so you sow the seed and I do, I do kind of see God as. I mean, I, I hear what you're saying for sure, mm-hmm. and, and I and I agree. Um, I, there's a there's a combination of the of the two there, where I, I see God doing a lot of that work, but He also brings the increase, obviously. Um, so th- they're on the path. It would be hard, right? It's beaten down by people and animals and whatever else walking across it. Like you said, we no good farmer would pick like, let me that pick, spot. Yeah. Would buy this road mm-hmm. to plant all of my seed on. Doesn't make any sense. But the the sower sows the seed there. And then it's some, it says something really interesting though. The birds come mm-hmm. and devour them. And so I, I think I might want to do that. I'm I'm anxious to jump ahead here, man. I wanna <laughs> I wanna see what it um the evil one, the birds. Yeah. Or the evil one, he says. I think it's in Luke, just straight up calls him the devil. Yep. Um, the evil one comes and just snatches the word mm-hmm. because the seed is the word. Yeah. Just snatches the word. Yeah. And takes, takes it, away it away so they can't have it. Now, I'm going to th- go, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> now, I'm going to challenge you with something here. You know the, the theory of expositional constancy? The idea that the Lord uses the same idea throughout Scripture. Oh, okay. So, you know, Jesus is the the vine, we are the branches, sheep and the goats. Okay, these different ideas, when you go through the Old Testament, okay, fire is, is judgment. Sure. Okay, sure. brass Trees. makes it through the judgment. The wind is the Holy Spirit. Um, you know, incense are prayers. So we, once the Lord sets down one of the eyes, these ideas, and it's not a hundred percent of the time, but oftentimes it's consistent through many, many stories all the way through the Bible. 
if you use the birds as the <laughs> devil throughout Jesus's teaching, it gives a very different idea of some of his teachings and parables in the future. Ooh, interesting. Yeah, I'm just because there's a tree that grows up that gives the birds a place to rest in the shade. Well, it's like, oh, that's such a nice idea. Well, oh, they're tweeting. Yeah, <laughs> not if the birds in that parable are the devil. Anyway, I, I don't yeah. want to get us off on sure. that I'll, rabbit I'll to, trail. I'll have to work on that. I'm just saying, bit. think about it when you go through other parables. Okay, yeah. back to you. Well, so I the I think another one of the uh, maybe uncomfortable parts of this. Mm-hmm. It's a really common parable. Like a lot of people know sure. this. Yeah, out of but, all of them. But when you stop and think about, hold on a minute. Jesus says that when the word is preached mm-hmm. to people or souls yeah. that are represented by the hard path, yeah. it's the devil mm-hmm. that comes and takes that away before it has a chance to grow. Oh, yeah. So How does he do that? Yeah, so there is an enemy working against the plan of God and the work that we do for the Lord. The devil and his workers are right there trying to undo whatever we do. He doesn't show up anywhere else mm-hmm. in the story, right? In the in the shallow ground, the, the rocky soil, uh, the soil that's good, but the thorns come up in the good soil. He, he, he doesn't make another appearance there. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a part of the parables that's like, the deeper and deeper you dig, sometimes you it, it's harder to make all of the things sort of line up, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but there's something to the fact that the when someone is so hard, for whatever reason, mm-hmm. maybe think about Pharaoh, uh, someone is so hardened against God, against his word, against the gospel, that when his word hits that person's life, the devil has he's got the capacity, he's got permission mm-hmm. to just take it before it ever has a chance. I think another thing that that sort of exposes is that he knows if he let it sit there, yeah, it just might grab onto something. Sure. And so so he, hurry he up and do it quick it. prior to. You know the person's hardened. Do it quick while it doesn't have a chance yet. Yeah. Because if they get any softer, mm-hmm. watch out. Yeah. Because in all three of the other examples, the plant grows. Mm-hmm. Some way or another, it grows. And so that's it. You don't want to try to, like, okay, there's four examples, so this is 25% of the people, and this is another 25. Yeah, we don't know. Sure, yeah, no idea. The numbers. Because as I look around, I think to myself, boy, if 75% of the time that someone heard the gospel, there was a plant that grew from it. Like, there was something that happened in their life. Yeah. Boy, I'd, I'd like those odds. Sure, that's phenomenal. <laughs> yeah, I like those odds a lot. But so you got the you got the path, and it's, it's so like one of the things, especially when you're thinking about this individually, it's like man, don't let yourself become so hardened against God that His word doesn't have a chance. Sure, that's that's not a good place to be. So other seed falls on the rocky ground; uh, they don't have much soil. Immediately they spring up since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched. And so this is like, um, almost like the bedrock is really close to the surface. Mm -hmm. Could be like maybe sort of like gravelly. Yeah. Um, But there's enough there. And this is one evaporative coolers, right? Uh 
those, those, those elm seeds. They will grow right out of the pad. Yeah. I went up there one time. The pump was like I had water up there, mm-hmm. but the pads weren't getting cool. Yeah. So I go up on the church. I open the thing up. Those elm seeds mm-hmm. had landed in the water, yeah. in the basin, mm-hmm. and they sprouted. Oh, yeah. And they clogged up the pump. Oh, yeah. And I, I thought of this the second I looked up there. Yeah. Like, this seed obviously has no chance at all yeah. <laughs> of coming to any sort of fruition, but there's enough there for it to grow. Oh, yeah. It starts. It starts. Mm-hmm. And so when we start thinking about these things pastoral, pastorally a little bit, the second and third ones, especially the third one, is the one that haunts me. Mm-hmm. Um, but this one, too, it's like sometimes somebody is just gangbusters right out of the gate. And it's like, man, this is a changed life. And weeks later, yeah, it's, it's not anymore. Now, this one makes a lot of Christians uncomfortable because I think the idea that most people have is the success story. Mm-hmm. If you get saved, then these things will all happen. So you're going to start coming to church. You're going to get baptized. You're going to start reading your Bible. God's going to start changing your life. And this is what we feel comfortable with. When we see this, we're like, yeah, this is the way God works. We don't feel comfortable with the idea that someone gets it and they receive it and they like it and they want it. And then all of a sudden, a couple months later, they're nowhere to be found. Yeah. We don't feel comfortable saying that person is saved. And for me, I have no issue with that. That's a, that's one of the things that even as he gives the explanation of the parable, he doesn't really make any clear lines. Yeah. About you, you've got to deduce that from other things that he's saying. But I like what you're saying in part because what he says in the explanation is um, he has no root in himself. This is verse 21 but endures for a while, and when tribulation or persecution arise on account of the word, immediately he falls away. Mm -hmm. So sometimes what they're excited about is a story that we've told them Mm -hmm. that also isn't true. We've sold people, sometimes we sell people a story Mm -hmm. about what God could do with their life rather than selling them a story about Jesus crucified and resurrected. Yeah. And when he doesn't do the things that God could do in someone's life. Mm-hmm. And well, now, you know, I, this road rage incident because of a bumper sticker I have on the, or like I'm in trouble at work because yep. I said something at lunch. Yeah. Wait a minute. None of this is going well. Yeah. I got to get up early on Sunday or yeah. like whatever it is. Like this isn't worth it anymore. So when the difficulty comes, mm-hmm. When the, when the roots aren't deep enough, they burn up. Yeah. They're not going to, they're not going to make it. Yeah. And that's sad. I don't like it. So tell me, do you think, so the, okay, here's one of the questions that you're going to get from everybody. Four types of ground, Mm -hmm. same seed is type one, type two, type three, and type four saved or not saved. Yeah. And see, I, I don't even know if I would go. I don't, know, I don't know if I would go that way. I think my my response would be, I want to move everyone toward group four. Sure. 
Like, well, let's let's work on that. Now, I mean, if if to be saved is to and First Corinthians fifteen, that's mm-hmm. why I preached while you were gone. Mm-hmm. By the way, um, he's got Paul has a great line in there. I might I may as well pull it up. Yeah, go ahead. Read it. Um, because this is my this is my answer to this. Um, this is the introduction before he even gets to what he says the gospel is. First Corinthians fifteen one and two. I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, casting the seed out, right? Which you received, in which you stand. Mm-hmm. So past tense, mm-hmm. you received it. Mm-hmm. Present tense, you're standing in it mm-hmm. now. Uh, and by which you are being saved. Mm-hmm. Sanctification. Right. Present and future. Uh-huh. If... You hold fast to the word I preached to you mm-hmm. unless you believed in vain. Mm-hmm. So it's one of those Paul sentences where yeah. it's, like, it's got seven commas it's in it. It's very long. Right. But I think in part what he's saying is that one of the ways you figure out whether someone truly does believe in their heart mm-hmm. that God raised Jesus from the dead is that over a course of time, they will hold fast. Mm-hmm. They will stand firm. We're, we're doing James. And I know Caleb loves James. Mm-hmm. Um, that James makes the argument that if the plant doesn't have any fruit, at the very least, he's got a question mm-hmm. what's happening. Right? Faith, faith without works is dead, right? So I, I think it's sticky. I really do. And and I can give you the other side of this, okay? And I know we're getting off, but let's, you know, we're talking about seeds and fruit production. Yeah. Okay, so John chapter 15, I am the true vine and my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me, this mm-hmm. is Jesus talking, yeah. that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. Every ba- branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. And then I'm going to move on to verse 5. I am the vine, you're the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. Yes. For without me, ye can do nothing. When you go through John chapter 15, you have two groups. You have the group in Jesus. Then you have the group that is not in me. The group that is not in me ends up getting cast into the fire. And they have no fruit. Okay. But yes. there's the group that's in me. And there's three levels of fruit production. There is the group that beareth not fruit, beareth fruit, and beareth much fruit. All three of those are in in Jesus, and none of them get cast into the fire. Give me those verses again. John 15, verses 1 through 5. Then it goes on to verse 6, and I'll, I'll read that. If a man abideth not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered, and men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. So when Jesus is explaining this, and this is another very uncomfortable idea for most Christians, the idea that there are Christians that get saved and they don't bear fruit. Now, it also says that those that don't bear fruit, what does he do? He takes them away. Now, this, (laughs) we're getting into, you know, but, okay, here's something I'm going to tell you. And you know this about me. 
I like hard, fast lines. Oh, yeah. I like black and white. (laughs) I like lines in the sand. I like saying this is this and that is not. Yeah. And a lot of people don't like that. They don't like having to make the hard call. Now, I trust that the people in my church and the listeners of this podcast are doing their job. They are reading the Bible. They are praying. They are going to God. And therefore, that gives me the latitude to get into the Bible and make a claim that this is what the Bible is teaching, even though it's not as explicit as thou shalt not steal. Yeah, sure, sure. And if I'm wrong, then I trust people to not trust me. Okay. Because <laughs> yeah. their job is to yeah. not trust me and do their own homework and read the Bible on their own. But the fact is, we have to teach something. So I try to teach it. And when I get to a point that is sticky, I pick a side. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you do. Okay. I, so. like, I, I like a long, <laughs> slow, gray gradient. You yeah. Know? <laughs> gray. Yeah. It's, it's, let me teach you this possibility. Yeah. And let me it, teach yeah, you. It's sort of gray all the way along. <laughs> no, what it's called is letting the Holy Spirit work on people. Yeah. yeah sure. Okay. No. So here, what I'm saying is that there's a group that gets saved. They don't bear fruit. They, the only way they serve is as a bad example. Okay. But it doesn't change the fact that they got, heard the gospel and received it. They believe who Jesus is and what he did for them. They want it. Okay. They did what the Bible says. And the Bible talks about, and we read this when Jesus saw the tree that wasn't bearing fruit, he got mad. Yes. Oh yeah. Because he wanted a piece of fruit. And he got up to it, and he's like, there's no fruit on this tree. Yeah. And the whole idea is rip this thing out, put another tree in its place. We need to get fruit from this spot. And they said, okay, we're going to dig around it. We're going to fertilize it. We're going to water it. We're going to see if we can get fruit out of it. But if it doesn't produce fruit by the next season, yeah, we're getting rid of it because there's a job that needs to be done here, and we're going to put a tree in there that's going to produce the fruit. I see that as Christians get saved Some of them are given chances. The Holy Spirit encourages, persuades, pushes. God puts in the effort. God digs around it. God waters it. God fertilizes it. God does everything that he can to get that thing Mm -hmm. to produce fruit other than possessing the individual and making them do the will of God. (laughs) Sure, sure. And after a certain time, God's like, all right, I have a job for you. If you're not going to do it, we're going to pull you out and we're going to put someone else in there because the job has to get done. Mm, interesting so i don't have now whether we're saying that christian is just sidelined which i have no problem saying that like one of the things in the parable is that it's really easy to say okay here's this person Mm -hmm. i know him he's hardened soil and and you sort of put a pin in it and it's over yeah that's one of the places where i think that the parables um that they can't teach all of the entire truth Mm -hmm. obviously someone could be hardened yeah then they could become shallow. Sure. Then they could become growing but choked out, mm-hmm. and then shallow again, and then growing and choked out, and then produce fruit. Absolutely. Like, oh, over the course of your life, you, you're not pegged into any one of those spots. Yeah, it's not like the good ground can't get hardened through experience because you have uh, the lust of the flesh, you have the, the world enticing you, mm-hmm. you have the devil pushing you towards sin. There's nothing saying that a good Christian 
can't end up on the sideline because, you know, they're tired of it and sin gets a hold of them and all these things, even sure. though they started out as the good ground and they did a lot of good things. Right. Now, now let me ask you this. This is the reason that I don't have a problem with the idea that some Christians, they get saved and then that's all we see of them. Now, Zach, are you guys currently doing your vacation Bible school? Like starts this tomorrow. Week? Okay, it starts yeah. tomorrow. You're going to have, whatever, how many dozens or hundreds of kids, right, I, for the I week. I heard, heard from a buddy last night, they baptized 20 at night vision. Okay. Right? at the So it's high school kids sure. at a concert for the weekend. So you have a big group. People come in that maybe don't have a lot of experience with church. They hear preaching. The Holy Spirit convicts them. They say, man, I'm, I'm, I'm lost. Okay, I do not want to go to hell. I, I want to get saved. They get saved. They get baptized. They're excited. Um, someone gives them a Bible. They start coming to church. Two months later, we never see them again. Mm-hmm. Okay. I have no problem saying they're saved. If they got saved, they got saved, regardless of any actions in the future. God's the one that does the saving. You got it. Yeah. Now, there are lots of people that don't like that idea because the Bible also talks about how we measure someone, and that is with fruit. My favorite story in the Bible, well, my favorite, one of my favorites. (laughs) Right, sure. Yeah, goes along with John 3.16. And let's turn there just so we can... John 3 is great. Yeah, John 3 is great. And John 3.16 is not the verse I want to talk about. What I want to talk about is the lead up, the two verses prior to it. We read in verse 14, John chapter 3, and as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life. That story in Numbers, I think it was 21, but it might be 22, the nation of Israel once again made God mad. And God Imagine. sent, yeah, yeah. <laughs> God sent fiery serpents. And the, the way the story reads is that they were venomous. Mm-hmm. And the way the story reads is that they basically went through the entire camp of Israel and bit everybody. And they all were like, oh no, what's going to happen? Oh, we're all going to die. Falling dead. Yeah, they're just dropping dead. And yeah. they go to Moses and they're like, Moses, please call on God to save us. And Moses calls on God and God tells Moses, make a brass serpent, put it on a pole, hold it up in the midst of the camp. Everyone that looks at it, The venom will not kill them. They will live. Yes. And he tells them to do that. And the way the story reads, there are some people that refuse. Yeah. As easy as that is to just look at the serpent. Why are you looking at it? Because you believe what you were told, that that will save you. Your life will be saved. That story is never explained in the Old Testament. You never find an explanation. You only find it in John chapter 3, verses 14 and 15, leading up to the most famous verse in the whole Bible, John 3, 16. And I believe Jesus was trying to explain to us, guys, it's that simple. Yeah. That's it. Sure. Okay, you just have to believe enough to look upon Jesus. So I see salvation as very simple. 
I don't see it as complicated. I believe just like in the wilderness, God wanted to make it as simple as possible. If you understand that if you look on this to save you, okay, you will be saved. And all they did was they believed what they were told and they looked and that was it. Okay. So for me, I see at vacation Bible schools in every church in the country, every summer, whoever is actually giving the gospel, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. lots and lots of kids are getting saved. And then I'm just going to make up a number. 20% of those kids are going to go back to a home life that is a nightmare that you and I could not even imagine. Mom and dad are doing cooking and selling meth, Mm -hmm. you know, you know, sisters, a prostitute, families in and out of jail. There's drugs all around. It's just horrible. The odds of them getting back to church and finding any support for the decision for Christ that they just made Mm -hmm. is pretty slim. The odds of them producing a whole lot of fruit through the rest of their life is pretty slim. Yeah. But if they heard the gospel and they understood it and they believed it, I believe those folks are saved so long as they didn't believe in vain. Correct. So like what happens to all those people, the ones who got bit mm-hmm. and then looked at the serpent when it was in the wilderness, mm-hmm. guess where they died? Yeah. In the wilderness. Sure. Not entering the promised land. Like yeah. They're, they're still um, looking at the serpent didn't immediately turn them into like, okay, now that the rest of it is completely taken away. Remember all that thing I said about dying in the wilderness? Yeah, forget that. that. Everything's great from here on. Milk and honey. Yeah, just transport you right to the promised land. Gigantic grapes. It's going to be awesome. Yeah. That didn't happen for him. Mm -hmm. Right? And so that's the thing about 1 Corinthians 15 is when he says, unless you believed in vain, Mm -hmm. I think Paul is leaving room there for us as fellow Christians to have mis- understood whether or not someone truly believed. Sure. I, I don't have a problem with, with what you're saying as, as long as mm-hmm. like, they really, truly and honestly believe in their heart. Absolutely. Jesus if, is God, if, they're sinners and he died on the cross to save them. As long as they truly believe that. Yeah. I'm with you. Sure. Because then you get, like we talked about this in Sunday school a couple, uh, couple weeks ago, or maybe this might've even been in a, in a Wednesday night study. Um, this is, I might have to take a second and see if I can find this, but there's a spot, it's either first or second Corinthians where, um, Paul is talking about, he's talking about the fire that we pass through, even as believers. Oh yeah. The, the at the judgment seat of Christ. Yes. Not the great white throne. But the judge is it's more like a, it's like a it's, reward ceremony. Yeah, they call it, it, it they call it oftentimes the Bema seat, which yeah. refers to the old Olympics, which sure. was the seat you would go before to receive your crown and your what we would give as a gold, silver, right. and bronze medal. That was the seat that you would go to for your reward at the end of the contest. So yes. people misunderstand when they hear judgment seat of Christ and then they see that fire's involved. They're like, oh, this sounds bad. And it's like, no, 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 no. Everyone that stands before this sure. is going into heaven. Yeah, no, the judgment could be like, do you get a 95% on the paper Correct. or 100? Yeah. How many rewards and <laughs> crowns are you going right, to be right, given right. at this point? Yeah. 
I'm gonna I'm gonna try to track this down while I'm talking about it. But what he what he basically says is he he uses a set of um, looks like it's First Corinthians, yeah, First Corinthians three, mm-hmm. um, starting in verse thirteen. Each one's work will become manifest, for the day will disclose because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will, will be, be saved, saved but as, as though through fire. Mm-hmm. And earlier on, when you sort of read through what he's talking about there, he's got like a, verse 12, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, hay straw, yeah. yeah, wood, hay, stubble. It'll all burn up and... So... You're saved. Yes. You're building on the foundation. Yes. Some of you are building with gold. Yep. Some of you are building with dry grass. Yes. It's all going to go through a fire. Yeah. So if you build with dry grass, not going to be much left. Correct. But you will be saved. You're still saved. As though through fire. Yeah. Your your golf handicap and all the work you put into that mm-hmm. are not going to make it into heaven. Yeah. Okay. The not money that you any difference at all. donated to missions... Is going to show up there. Yeah, like <laughs> if there's 22 more people there because you sent somebody on a mission trip. You got day, it. Then, right. Gold, so, silver, precious stones. Once you are on the foundation, mm-hmm. you can't be moved anymore. Correct. Yeah, I, I'm fine with that. Mm-hmm. Um, what you decide to build on there, and here's what we were talking about on Wednesday night. This was at uh, McGowan's place. Uh-huh. It's like the that judgment, the, the Bema seat, it determines how many gifts you're going to be able to give God mm-hmm. based on what you did in your life. Yep. So you get through that and you're like, that was all straw. Yeah. All of it. Yep. It's all burnt. I've nothing left to yeah. give him. Total waste of a life for the Lord. Yes. Yep. You'll be there though. Sure. You still get in. You're saved. Still great. Good, but you have no gift to give him. Mm-hmm. And so then it's like, I, I find that, fairly motivating so then i look for things and this this will circle back to the the original question he asked simply because jesus doesn't say outright Mm -hmm. like okay the first set of people they're not saved now the second ones these guys are saved they just don't everything gets burned up in the fire yeah they don't do anything really there are times when i look through the bible and i'm thinking to myself what is he asking me to do that matters that won't get burned up that I can actually present later on as something that's worth it, mm-hmm. and uh, and, and in, the, in the parables, uh, uh, some of them don't even get to present themselves, right? But some do. So that's that's First Corinthians, um, chapter three, starting and starting. Well, I mean, starting where? <laughs> Ver- By the time you get to 10, 11, 12, 13. just you're... start at Genesis and yeah, work yeah. your way through. <laughs> But, um, yeah, he, he's talking about building on the foundation. Mm-hmm. The foundation is Christ. If you've done that truly and honestly, then you're in. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I, I, am, yeah. I am going to force us to get to type of ground number three. Yes, let's do it. Because that is the one that I'm a pastor. I'm a minister. Mm-hmm. I work with college students. I work with youth. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to be... A, VBS this week. 
I'm involved in a nonprofit organization with teenagers in another mm-hmm. country. Mm-hmm. When I read this one and the thorns grow up, like the plant is doing all right. Yeah. But the thorns grow up and choke it out, mm-hmm. make it unfruitful. Yep. And then he defines <clears throat> what the thorns are. And that's the fun one about this parable. The rest of them we get to try to figure out. What yeah. in the world does he mean? But this one says it. You got it right it there. It says explicitly. But the tares are the children of the wicked one. Let me see what we're what, yeah. what, what verse are you at here? Thirty eight, second half. Oh yeah, this oh you want to go all the way to the weeds. Oh sorry. Okay, so if you want from verse three, okay. I can, I can so in too. verse twenty two it talks about type three. He also yeah. that received the seed among the thorns is he that heareth the word mm-hmm. and the care of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becometh unfruitful. Sorry. No. The every single thing mm-hmm. that our entire culture teaches yeah <laughs> for our kids <clears throat> is um i mean I, I got kids of my own i just every single thing that i'm thinking about here i've got more information sitting in my pocket right now mm-hmm. than the guys who wrote that oh yeah ever had any access to absolutely i it, it is astonishing how easy it is to you could be you could spend the rest of your life just reading the names of all of the apps that are available. Sure. Not even downloading them or no, using them. It, like it, it, the amount of things that are out there to distract people is absolutely astonishing. And they're shiny, right? And they're glittery and they're fun. And boy, I mean, you just. So to give you a number. Yeah. There are 720,000 hours of video uploaded to YouTube every day. Every day. Every 24 hours, <laughs> there are 720,000 700... 20, hours, hours of content uploaded to YouTube. So that means that every single hour, there are 30,000 hours of video put up online to give people an idea that there's there's really no end You'll never defeat YouTube. That's you'll that's, never watch it all. This, that's twelve thousand. You want to know how many a minute? Well, I'm, I'm, <laughs> now, if every hour, mm-hmm. five hundred hours a minute, five hundred hours every minute, minute. five hundred hours of video are uploaded to YouTube, and that doesn't count the stuff that's already there. Yeah, and that's just YouTube. Yeah. Like you can't, so the idea that Jesus himself Mm -hmm. has said that there are things in your life Mm -hmm. that are there specifically to choke you out. Yeah. And they are everywhere, Mm -hmm. everywhere. And we just, we spend all day (coughs) interacting them with them or trying not to interact with them. And like I said, young kids, um, the 12 years old with the phone. Oh yeah. And like it, why would they ever read a book? Why would they ever pick up their Bible? And it's like, well, I got the Bible app. 
Yeah. On the phone. <laughs> it was like, that's that's the standard for Christianity nowadays is that walk, I have a Bible from, app. Walk from the back of the church to the front of their church. Yeah. During the service on Sunday morning. Yeah. And it, like there are uh, the games. I mean, and it's not like I'm not. Not against games. No, I get it. Games. I watch stuff on YouTube. Sure, but it is the idea that those things are capable Mm -hmm. of choking you out and making you unfruitful. Yeah, I see that every day. Absolutely, the cares of this world are so many that you will never exhaust them. I always tell people, Zach, you 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 were. uh, I don't want to. Is physical therapist the correct word? Kinesiology? Yeah, kinesiology major. Okay, and I don't know what that is. So we'll (laughs) we'll assume that my listeners are smarter than me, so they know what it is. But you've dealt with physical therapy and been a part of that whole genre. Yes. Okay. So if you want to see gains, and we're not even talking about going to the gym to get bigger and stronger, but we're talking about an injury or a disability that we're trying to overcome – you have to have a plan. You have to do it consistently. And it's the same thing. If you want to be a Christian and you want to be a strong Christian, it just won't happen by accident. You have to have a plan. You have to be disciplined. You have to have a schedule and you have to apply it to your life or else you're going to live your whole life just wishing and hoping that you were a real Christian. It's almost like you just had a parable right there. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly that's there you exactly go, right? what a parable right. was. You take a story that people understand, and then you transfer the point of that story to the uh, mm-hmm. the point you're trying to the greater point you're trying to make. So that's what I tell people all the time: is just like you go to the gym because you want to get in shape, you want to lose, shed some pounds, you want to do whatever. If you're not disciplined, if you don't have a schedule. It's just never going to happen. Yeah, it is just, it doesn't happen by accident. Yep. Wood, hay, straw happens by default. You can get them anywhere. Mm -hmm. People are throwing them away. Yeah. Gold, silver, precious stones happens on purpose. And then as you start getting stronger and stronger, the exercises you did at the beginning don't Mm -hmm. give you the same kind of benefit. Yeah. As they as you as you need later on. Yep. It just keeps on going and going, and so. The first set, like the the hard ground, is, like you say, taking the gospel with you where you go. Yeah. All the place when I'm at the coffee shop with the guys, and it's like, so I've known this barista for a little while, right? Mm-hmm. And, and I'm thinking, you know, what, you know, feeling it out a little bit, what mm-hmm. kind of what kind of ground are we working with? Sure. With the shallow ground, it's like, okay. Um, again, I, I work with a lot of younger people. This guy's excited. Um, got a really cool thing going on right now at the church with a lot of grandmas Mm -hmm. and it's like hardened maybe uh i mean a lot of life yeah a lot of difficult stuff but they're excited and they found a group and Mm -hmm. and i'm like let's see how many how how long will this last yeah let's keep these gals in here so there's there's a little bit of of that ground that's sort of in the church some but when i'm getting ready to preach when i'm teaching the college guys I'm thinking about that third set a lot mm-hmm. because if you're going to come listen to me on purpose, mm-hmm. it's not because you're the hardened ground. Yeah, like, absolutely. Yeah, like something is going on. And so like, what can I do to try to help them be ready to fight against these thorns? Oh yeah. That are going to rise up 
and, and, and try to get to them. And so, um, but that one, that one does haunt me because it just chokes them out. There's so much. There's nothing much. wrong with the plant. No, nope. There's not. It choked. Yeah. Yeah. It, it got into the ground. It was doing its job. Yep. And okay. So really Zach, you, you and I only touched on half of the thorns. The other half of the thorns are not the cares of this world. They're the deceitfulness of riches. The deceitfulness. Okay, so I want to give you an idea here. There are going to be Christians who, when they get to heaven, let's start with this. There are going to be lots of Christians, when they get to heaven, they're going to realize that they could have done more. They didn't take the race as seriously as they wish they had and there were opportunities to go one way instead they went another and they just didn't run the race as hard as they could so they didn't finish up front there are going to be others who were running the wrong race entirely yeah they were not working for the lord and maybe not working as hard as they could Maybe they were distracted by things. There are going to be Christians that were running in an entirely different race that no matter where they finished, it was the wrong race. It doesn't even count. It doesn't matter at all. And that's what I think of when I read about the deceitfulness of riches. And one of the hard parts, and this is maybe harder for me than you, but correct me if I'm wrong. Because I'm bivocational, and that's really not even true, because I don't even, I don't get a dime from my (laughs) church, okay? So I can't say that I'm bivocational, because I'm not. I'm a general contractor. You're you're working two jobs. I'm working two two jobs. That's true. I'm only getting paid for one. I'm a general contractor. I own a construction company, and that's what I make my living at, and it is easy to get distracted by that because whether you have the opportunity to make a lot of money or not, you still have to make money. You have to pay the bills. You got, I mean, kids need a new pair of shoes. It seems like every six weeks, once they get over 10 years old and you know, the high school boys, they eat like wild animals. And (laughs) so the fact is you have to do those things and you want to provide for your family and do a good job. And sometimes it's easy to work very hard at that to a point where you're actually letting other responsibilities that are more important kind of take a sideline. Whereas you are on staff at your church, so we all know you're just flat broke and you don't make anything. Oh, so yeah. <laughs> the deceitfulness of riches aren't even a yeah, you know a yeah, distraction yeah. for you. Well, but so see, then <laughs> then it goes the other way though. Okay. Because then it's like, well, but I got three kids mm-hmm. and we got two cars. Oh yeah. And I got a house. Sure. And sometimes it's like, uh, my church is great. Mm-hmm. They are. They have been nothing but good to me. Sure better than i deserve by far we appreciate the caveat but But. nobody here is thinking we're getting rich working for god but the other it it, sometimes a distraction is the other way okay i'm thinking to myself i I need to find 800 bucks yeah and then all of a sudden i spend an afternoon not doing any work Mm. because i'm trying to like i got a health insurance sure an issue that yeah 
And so now that that's not the deceitfulness of riches necessarily, but it's the other side of the coin, which is like, he's not telling you not to make money, money yeah. to provide for your family. Obviously. <laughs> like, obviously. So like, let, let the text interpret the text. There's mm-hmm. plenty of other places. He, um, I can't remember. It's the love. It's the love of, of money. It. It's uh, not money. That's the. The, root and, of all evil. And this word riches even in the Greek has a has a sense of abundance okay. to it. Where it, it's not it's not the love of or the deceitfulness of making enough to take care of my family. Yeah, it's not the desire to it's the deceitfulness of the great abundance like, and all the fun stuff that like those four commas are nice in the oh, savings yeah. account, but really a fifth <laughs> would be you know, and and making decisions mm-hmm. then that are going to, um, if the goal is to reach an abundance mm-hmm. of in uh, income or savings or whatever, then there are certain things like, well, why would I give money mm-hmm. to X thing that I sort of see actually as a waste mm-hmm. when I could save it? invest it toward so yeah I, I don't think there's anything here where he suggests that it's wrong to make enough absolutely money. i i am in favor of money i like money okay i think money is fine the bible doesn't say it's bad it's not sinful uh the issue comes down to us and our heart when we're putting these things before god and let's face it zach have you ever been, you know, in a brand new, really nice, late model, whatever? Have you ever been on, you know, oh, I'm talking about a friend's. You drove in, so, you know, <laughs> like, someone picked I you re- up. Rented a couple cars. Yeah, okay. Oh, but yeah, like, yeah, you know, I've been in some. Yeah, you ever, you, you ever have a friend take you out on their speedboat? No. Okay. Well, we live in Colorado, so this isn't a great place, but I've lived in other parts of the country where there are lots of lakes and it kind of like you go to parts of Arkansas and Missouri and guess what? Everybody has a boat because it's just lakes all over the place. Let me tell you, being in those really nice things, you ever been, you know, in a 15,000 square foot home? I'm a car guy. (laughs) Just stop. That's where. uh, The house. Yeah. eh, Speedboat. Yeah. eh. The car okay. is like, okay, if, if there's a place where it's like, Zach, do not covet. Yeah. It, it's in the New Testament too. Sure. Do not covet. <laughs> Don't, like you can't, there's no way around this one. Mm-hmm. And I, I watch these car shows, Ferrari flashes by. Oh, yeah. What's, what's the math on? Come yeah. on, man, get serious. Yeah. But so, yeah, the cars would be the thing. But yeah, there's just, um, the, there's a, the tech. It says what it says. Mm-hmm. The deceitfulness of riches yeah. chokes you out from being fruitful for the kingdom. Can I give you one more idea here? Yeah. And then we got to go on to number four. Yeah. This is one of the greatest sayings I've ever heard. I'm, I'm being totally serious when I say this. Out of all of the little cute phrases and quotes I've memorized, this is one of my favorites. Rich people have exactly one advantage over poor people in that they have discovered already that riches do not make them happy. Okay. <laughs> yeah, there you go. That's the only advantage rich people have over poor people. And I've met plenty of them. We both have. And 
there is no correlation between amounts of dollars in the bank account and happiness. I've yep. never seen that. Well, and even there, even if it did, mm-hmm. and you're piling up the dollars in order to chase happiness, you're still chasing the wrong thing. Correct. The one you're the one you're chasing is God, and so like chase him the way He says to chase him. And uh, but yeah, like I, we had a guy for she has a name mm-hmm. that's um that's doing a ten thousand dollar donation. Yeah, I'm not capable of that. Sure, but he is. Yeah, and it's because he works hard, mm-hmm. and it's like that's great. Oh yeah, I zero problems there. So yeah, I think we're I think we're all on the same page on that one. Okay, we better let, do this fourth one. Yeah, we better. Is anybody because, still listening? Um, <laughs> out. I don't know, but we're, we are getting close to the end of the hour. So let let's look at the fourth one. Okay. Other seed fell onto good ground, brought forth fruit, some a hundredfold, some sixtyfold, some thirtyfold. Yes. So good ground, mm-hmm. pretty easy. Tree grows, mm-hmm. produces fruit. Mm-hmm. The thing that everybody always wants to know about is the 30, 60, and 100. Yeah. Like, and why those numbers? Mm-hmm. That there's a sequence of doubling there at first, mm-hmm. but then it goes to 100. Like, not, what's the, is he just saying numbers just to have numbers? Is yeah, it just most things just in the Bible the, are not specific for any discernible yeah, reason. Well, especially the numbers, right? <laughs> it's like, what? so what is it that he's really, uh, like, what is he getting at there? Um, And and that one is, that one's the same. When, when you read all three stories, mm-hmm. some of them put them in the other order. Sure. 116 30. Yeah. But same three numbers. And so I don't know if I have a good answer. Okay. How about this? Can I give you one from a straight up agricultural perspective? Absolutely. Sure. 30 is so far beyond impossible. (laughs) It is insane. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. To yield 30x from agriculture, it it is impossible. No one has ever heard of that. It is so far beyond the pale that it is laughable. So some of these guys are like uh, uh, someone who works in a vineyard or Mm -hmm. a farmer. They're listening Mm -hmm. to this and going, what is this guy? You go from nothing, Mm -hmm. like not even a plant, Mm -hmm. and you have a plant that burns, Mm -hmm. and you have a plant that gets choked, Mm -hmm. and then... The other option is plants that produce way more than is possible. Yeah, you're talking about a farmer that would only plant like six plants if they were producing that (laughs) much. (laughs) So I think that's what the Lord is showing is that when he is involved and things work out the way that he would rather, okay, that's what we end up seeing. We can see yields that are in the in the realm of not even in the realm of but so far beyond impossible that we would have to give the glory to God for the results. Yeah. Yeah. And it, the other one about on this one that I, that I think about quite often it circles back to what we were talking about before. Um obviously when a Christian life produces fruit mm-hmm. we can see the evidence of that in our current lives. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's any, there's any debating that, um, how we see it or what we see or how much we see, you know, we can, we could talk about all those sorts of things, but there's a piece of me that thinks that this has at least, he's saying at least two things. One is that you're, that we're going to see things in our lives, that our lives will produce that kind of fruit. But the other is that those, that after we've died, 
when we are the the t- the kind of fruit that is produced that we have no no idea about. Right? Mm-hmm. If I said, okay, Patrick, I want you to write down and I want you to sh- write all of the times that your life grew fruit <laughs> sure. for people, or and you write down all the stuff that you know of, and some of it's weird and whatever, um, and then you get to the end of it, and then you die, and God says, hey, let me show you a couple of things. Yeah, because there were all these times when you had no idea. Yeah, and... I don't think we can see any of that until afterwards. Absolutely. Right. We would have no way of knowing how we affected someone unless they came up and told us. Right. So it it's something I hope is true in my life. Yes, you and me both. But the fact is, I don't know. And then to use another Bible term, fruit that remains, you know, I always joke about how Christianity can be the greatest multi-level marketing campaign (laughs) in the history of the world because if you think about it zach you know out of everything in my christian life one thing i'm proud of is that i try to read the bible and pray with my kids regularly and i think about my six kids all of which can't read yet but the ones that can we read the bible and we talk about the bible and we pray together and we do it regularly and for me I am hoping that even when I'm dead and gone, there are six lives that take God seriously, take the Bible seriously, take their Christianity seriously, take church seriously, and take sharing the gospel with other people seriously. And I hope that I have a part that that my kids and the work they do for the Lord pays dividends Mm -hmm. to me while I'm in heaven that I get a kickback right, for the work that they're doing. And that's the idea of the fruit that I produce can make an amount that, again, is beyond absurd. And part of the reason is because it's happening even after I die. Yeah, yeah. And it continues to go on and on and on. And I, I like that. I like that little thing about that. Even thirtyfold being a little bit ridiculous. Mm-hmm. I've told people forever, if if the entire church, all of us, capital C, mm-hmm. committed to one year, mm-hmm. the goal is for each person to bring one mm-hmm. other person to the Lord. Yeah, the size of the church would double. Oh yeah. You know, like, that would be a worldwide phenomenon. It would be the- <laughs> insane. Zach, what you're explaining is actually pretty disappointing when I think about it, because if all the Christians on earth did their job, the whole world should be saved in a couple of years. I mean, there's obviously some, like, there's some hangups, right? The math, the math, though, like... The math works. The math is really fast. Sure. Um, but, but, yeah, I mean, there's, like, you can't... Even just to say, hey, just go out and get one person saved, mm-hmm. doesn't. It's give... not as easy as it sounds. You can't yeah, just right, flip right. a switch. Sure. Even if you threw the seed out all the time, it could yeah, all land on hard. Sure. So, but um, what 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 I what I've talked about for a couple of years now is just simply the idea that, um, and, or even in a local church, mm-hmm. if each person over the course of one year mm-hmm. would was able to focus. Mm-hmm. And, and change one person's life mm-hmm. to a point where they were involved in the church. The size of that church would double. Oh, yeah. In one year. Mm-hmm. And you, like 
how are you going to work on doubling the size of, and maybe, you know, it, at the beginning, doubling is maybe easier. Than a lot easier. Times. Sure. The yeah. smaller the number. Yeah. yeah. You go from one to two and, and all that. But uh, all I'm saying is that I think there's a lot of fruit to be had. Absolutely. And, but it's hard. Like you don't, we, we talked about that. You don't end up being a tree that produces fruit by just sort of sitting there and drinking up the water and then moving on. Like there's work to it and it's tough. Yeah. You have to put your time into it. And the fact is there are Christians that, and there are a million reasons and I've heard them all and I'm going to, you know, I'm not going to call them reasons. This is Bible thumper. They're oh boy, excuses. <laughs> okay. They're like armpits, Zach. Everyone's got a couple of them and they all stand. All, all right. People can give the gospel. They just choose not to. And I get it. There's lots of times I'm tired. I don't want to. I don't like that person. I feel like God is pushing me to. Uh, I'm scared. I'm not confident. There, we, we can come sure. up with whatever we want. doesn't change the fact that we're all commanded to. God doesn't give a single one of us an exception. But the reason the church doesn't grow is because seed is not being cast. And, and I'm just going to go ahead and say this, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. Actually, I don't even care. I'm going to mute you if you even try to argue this. <laughs> okay, don't tell me that my life is a witness for Christ, and that is how I share the gospel, because that's nonsense. Okay. People might see that it's different. Absolutely. But, but you need, and that's great. Yeah, sure, I hope sure. I hope everyone does see that our life is different and is encouraged by it. But that's not the gospel. Okay. Right. And right. if all of us just lived a great life, guess what? That's that doesn't mean people all around are getting saved. Okay. Sure. Go sure. to any Amish community. The the surrounding villas are not getting saved and having revival just because the people are leaning leading a clean life. Right. So we have to share who Jesus is and what he did for us. The fact that we're sinners and there is a way to get to heaven and have our sins forgiven. And that's the work that Jesus did on the cross. So if people are not sowing seed, then the fact is nothing's going to grow. That's the only way it happens. Right, right, right. That's the way the story starts. And it has to be done on purpose. Mm -hmm. But I tell you, when it grows. Yeah. Makes the whole thing worth it every time. Well, and I'll tell you what, I've seen people saved that um, it was so easy. I thought to myself, man, I I didn't even think I was going to, you know, I didn't see this coming. And it's the kind where they'll ask you about Jesus and you'll talk to them and everything makes sense. And they're like, man, that's what I need. Yeah. And you're yeah. like, well, let's pray and get this taken care of. And they're like, let's do it, man. I want this. And it's like you reach up to the tree and you just touch the fruit and it just falls off because yep. it was so ripe. Yep. And then there's other times where you're you're trying to share Jesus with someone and it's like just banging your head against a wall. And it's like, holy cow, these people are not ready to hear. They have no desire and it's just hard. And those kinds of experiences are discouraging. And if that's all you're running into, that's hard. And one thing that I like that I've learned from some folks is uh, they will kind of ask some warm-up questions 
when they're on a plane and they're talking to the person next to them or they're, you know, whatever, wherever they are, and they'll see how open or closed off they are. And depending on how open they are, they'll move forward and talk more. And some people, you know, are just mad as hornets right out of the gate and they, you know, they let them be mad and they don't try to push it. But, um, the, the fact is we're only going to see plants grow if we're casting seed. Yeah. 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 That is the truth. So, Tell me what else comes to mind when we're talking about this. I think that gives us the whole the whole story there, right? The, the only other thing we did there's the middle part of the story that we did kind of gloss over. Go for I, it. I don't know if we want to spend a ton of time here, um, but Jesus does make in verse. This is back in Matthew 13. Mm-hmm. Verses ten through seventeen, uh-huh. he does give us a little bit of information about um, the parables themselves. Yeah, and so this might be a good thing to end with. So Absolutely, you could you could take this and apply it to the other ones. Then the disciples came and asked him, "Why do you speak to them in parables? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, what is the story with this, man?" Sure. And the answer he gives is not what anyone expects. No. To you, it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. But to them, it has not been given. I'll just stop and chew on that for a second. So Um, Jesus wanted those disciples to understand what the parable meant and to learn the lessons from them. Yes. But it almost sounds as if he wanted other people to not understand it, mm -hmm. or at least to not understand it yet. Mm Mm-hmm. For to the one who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled. And there's one worth worth thinking about for a second, too. There's a prophecy here from the Old Testament that's fulfilled in what he says. You will indeed hear, but not understand. You will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart will grow dull, and with their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes are closed, lest they should see with their eyes, and their ears, and they hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and turn, and I would heal them. So... I don't know that we have time to dig into all of that and, and find this chunk of Isaiah um, chapter so, 6. Mm-hmm. So this Isaiah is called, who will go for me? Here I am, send me. And then God says, all right, but let me tell you something. Mm-hmm. When you talk to these guys, here's what you're going to be up against. Um, but blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. There was a lot of guys, man, who would be really happy to be sitting here right now listening to me. And it just, that's not, that's not the story. Mm-hmm. It's not the way it was supposed to go. You're the ones that are supposed to be here. But the parable is there so that his people can hear his voice. And can and can understand it. They can work their way through it. They can hear what Jesus is saying. But there are others you know, with the hardened soil that just 
they're not going to get it. They just aren't going to get it. And so then you you fast forward that into like a, maybe a political setting mm-hmm. or Facebook mm-hmm. or when when we say things that people who aren't saved just they're the concept itself of the of the message that we are presenting mm-hmm. does not make logical sense to them. Uh, we've got some precedent for that. And then but this is also one of the prayers that I that I use as, as a pastor. It's like, look, I, show me people who can hear yeah. and can see. And, and sometimes it's like, show me people who can't hear and can't see yet. And I want to pray for them to hear and to see. Um, but help me discern what's happening in these people's lives. So it's almost encouraging. One of the things that I, look at and remind myself of and talk to other pastors about every once in a while is what the Lord prepped Jeremiah with and Ezekiel with before they started their ministry. And it's almost heartbreaking to read. I I don't think I would have gotten into ministry if I was told what Jeremiah was told. Like, look, all these people that you love that you're going to work so hard to preach to and you're going to teach them everything I tell you to say, uh, none of them are going to listen. Yeah. And for that matter, most of them are going to hate you. Some of them are going to try to kill you. Some of those people are going to be members of your own family. Yeah. And it's going to be just flat miserable. But don't worry, I'm going to be with you. And if that was the posting of the job in the newspaper, sure. I'd just flip the page to the next yeah, one and say, apply? yeah, I'll find something else to do. That, Thank you, Lord. That's wonderful. But that's not for me. But the reason I read those is because the fact is there are some people that are just not going to hear and there's nothing that you can do to change their mind at that time. That's where they are. So your job and the success of your job is not dependent upon the number that hear. It's dependent upon you being obedient to God and doing what he tells you and saying what you're supposed to say. All the sower does mm-hmm. is sow the seed. That's it. That's all he does in the entire story. And you, and again, it, he's not a farmer that preps the ground, that waters it. That's you know, that's none of that is his. Different parable. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, there's a parable for that too. But yeah, no, in this story, it's just, and you're like you said, it's going everywhere. Yeah, indiscriminately. Yep. <laughs> just, it's out there. Yeah. So. And that's the best you're ever going to be able to do is as the person sowing seed, you're just going to try. And it's okay when it doesn't work out. And mm-hmm. and for anyone that wants to start giving the gospel to people in their lives, strangers, friends, family members, coworkers, whoever, it's not going to work for the majority of people you talk to. But that's okay. God is pleased every time the gospel is given. That's the that You're a success right there. That's it whether anyone ever receives it or not, you know, and there are some people like here, they're just, they're not ready and they're not, it's not going to make sense. It's going to be like you're speaking to them in Chinese. Yep. Yep. And then we sit and pray. Mm-hmm. God will, God will start making them ready. Like you can plow up a hard ground. Sure. You could, you could take the rocks out. Oh yeah. The, yeah. With enough work, you can prep any piece you, of ground. Right. You can start prepping. And so, um, but anyway, there's a parable of the sower. 
Well, Zach, we are not going to be able to get to Matthew chapter 18. The nice thing is we can just add that to the end because we picked what we're going to talk about for the next four weeks. So just let's add You don't want to just put that one next? Next? Nope. No, I want to get into some controversial. We we talked about the wheat and the tares. We could put that (laughs) one on the next one. (laughs) Nope. We got to get into some horribly controversial, uncomfortable do you have anybody stuff. else that's, that's jumped on in, onto anything there? Yeah, Caleb and I are going to tackle Scientology and like <laughs> a couple other things. What do we? Um, do you remember what we're talking about? I, I'm pulling it up right now. Okay, because I don't have I Gen- don't have the genocide. list in front of me. Ge- well, genocide. Yeah, that'll be the next time I'm on. And I next I month. Yeah, we'll, second we'll, Sunday of the month. Yep. Zach and I are going to talk about genocide. It happens in the Bible a lot. And we're going to talk about why it's a wonderful thing. We, you and I, oh boy, <laughs> you and I are. Uh, there might be some prep work that goes into that one. Absolutely, we're going to have to do some homework. We're going to tell the stories and give mm-hmm. the background and and go over all of it because sure. people have asked you through your life, "How is this okay?" I've been asked the question, or when I start to bring it up, because I don't like. There, there's a lot of Bible I haven't preached. Sure. Right? I mean, but especially with the guys that I'm with a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I got guys that I, that I truly disciple. And it's, you know, I see them four times a week. Yeah. And it's, you know, that's six, eight hours. Yeah. And, and we're doing, I'm doing everything I can. Mm-hmm. And you get into a couple conversations and, and, and finally, you know, two years into it, a guy goes, man, you know. That's always kind of, I don't like that part. Sure. What is he doing here? Because mm-hmm. all these other things you said for two years, I'm not sure how much sense this one makes, but you keep on telling me to read this book and here's what I'm reading. Yeah. <laughs> and so what do we, what do we do about it? So yeah, that one, I, that one, I'm, I'm excited for that one. Well, I think Caleb and I are going to tackle slavery in the next month or two. All right. Yeah. So That's... we're going to be going over some tough ones too. Cause again, People are curious about it. Christians that read their Bible, even casually, are going to get to the portions in the Old Testament where God orders the genocide of entire cities mm-hmm. and vast portions of land. And uh, slavery is talked about and parameters are set up and rules are given and the whole thing. And it's like, how is this okay? So people have questions. Sure, sure. And part of the there are people who are atheists. Mm-hmm. Um, that grab onto those pieces of our story. Yep. And, and use try, and it. And try to use it to discredit everything else that's there. So we need to have an answer. Absolutely. Yeah, I, They'll I, use it as a reason to write off the whole book because they misunderstand one portion. Yep. So we're going to talk about with uh, you and I, the wonders of genocide. And then Caleb and I are going to talk about the marvelous, wonderful institution of slavery. So that's going to be great. And so that's maybe what a quarter of the list. Oh yeah, there were I like mean, forty items. Oh man, I'm and, telling and you, and some of them were really <laughs> on the nose. I mean, we we we're, so we're gonna You've get been in, doing some of those by yourself. No, I, I'm gonna start assigning those to people and saying, "Look, start studying on this because this is what we're talking about." We gotta get. Do you know that when we when I look back on the numbers the most controversial subjects that are the most uncomfortable 
are the ones that people watch the most. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, people want to see what other people who are serious about it have yeah. to say, even yep. if they don't agree. Correct. It's, uh, but there, yeah, there's some stuff in there, man. Yeah, so we're going to get into more controversial stuff. It's not all It's not all going to be this Jesus parable nonsense that's so <laughs> easy to listen to. Jesus loves you guys. Yeah. <laughs> No, we're going to yeah, we're going to try to get into harder stuff and and take some stands and tackle some uncomfortable things because it's Bible thumper and someone's got to yeah. say it. Yeah. Well, hey, genocide I now when I gave you my list, mm-hmm. I wrote it in a specific order too. You did. When I gave it back to you, it's like mm-hmm. I'm picking these four. Yeah. Well, I put them in the order that I wanted them to show up in yep. too because it's like, look, um th- this is the this is how this is the one that I want four months to to think about and do some work on rather than. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. All right, everybody. Thank you very much for joining us on Bible Thumper, where somebody's got to say it. If you're watching our video, please scan the QR code on the screen and check us out on a podcast platform. We're on Spotify. We are on Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Audible, TuneIn Radio, everywhere you can find a podcast. And then you can join us every Sunday night at 7 p.m. Mountain Time, 8 p.m. Central, and you can be a part of the video. You can type in comments and ask questions, and you can watch us live on our Bible Thumper Podcast Facebook page and our Bible Thumper Podcast YouTube channel. Thank you, but uh, thank you everyone for joining us, and we will talk to you next week.